Hey, welcome back to What We Started EDM, where we speak with producers, DJs, labels, managers, really anyone in the EDM industry that can help us learn and grow. I'm your host, Ted, and I talk EDM. Today, we speak with Burko, a producer slash DJ that has experienced massive success in his career, and he's just getting started. In this episode, we talk about DJing top festivals like EDC and Burning Man. We talked about collabing with top artists like Autograph and Sunburn. We talked about scheduling his own tour without a manager. You do not want to miss this episode. Awesome, I'm here with David. I really just want to get an introduction into how you got started with music and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, um, 2015, I was attending UC Santa Barbara and I studied abroad in the Netherlands and I had all my first shows out there. And um, then I came back after studying abroad in the Netherlands to Santa Barbara and got a residency at EOS. And then it took a while to actually start producing. It was like a year after I graduated that I decided to start actually trying to make music. And uh, I was kind of the roots. Right. So how did you start getting shows in Netherlands? Were, were you previously a DJ before you went out there? No, those are my first shows. So the first shows I had out there, there I was at this really small school where like the bar funded the university. And so every like Thursday, it would just be the night where everyone would go and all of the like alcohol proceeds just went to funding the school basically. And um, I would play there on Thursdays, some Thursdays. That's crazy. So you really didn't have any DJ experience? You just hopped into it? I had messed around on like controllers in my friends' rooms and stuff, but never any shows. Before so how that. did you, how did you go about getting that opportunity to play in front of people? Um, I think what happened was I joined. There was a DJ club. Yeah, there was a DJ club out there called UC DJ because it was a UCU was the college university college Utrecht in the Netherlands. And uh, there was some DJ club that I ended up joining, and I think that provided the opportunity. That's crazy. And then, did you have any experience with music prior to DJing? Yeah, I grew up playing like classical piano and guitar, um, but I took a pretty big hiatus from all of the music before um, then getting back into it, like through DJing and then eventually producing. Mm-hmm. So you started really DJing in front of people while you were abroad and you came back and you said you got a residency at EOS? Yeah, it's a club in Santa Barbara. How'd you do that? Um, I had a friend there, a mutual friend that introduced me to the promotions manager, Chris Johnston, and uh, we became friends, still very good friends. And uh, yeah, he had me open up, God, for the time it was opening for Grand Theft Evolved. Oh, people um so at that time i think it was still before i was like really like getting that much into house music so it was a bit more like open format djing that's fun man and you would do ucsb you said which is in isla vista but eos is more in santa barbara right is it downtown yeah how did you guys get from isla vista to to eos would you guys uber or they actually gave uh gave me a party bus every also on Thursdays. Every Thursdays was the night, incidentally. They just gave me a party bus every Thursday to fill up, and they'd, like, pay me for, like, per head. So I was kind of, like, promoter as well. So I'd just, like, get a party bus and then fill it up and then take it to EOS and then play. 
Wait, that's so fun, man. I assume it wasn't too hard to convince college students to hop on a party bus for free, right? Well, um, especially uh, especially in Santa Barbara. <laughs> yeah, where, where everyone's looking to go out. Yeah. That's so fun. And then you started to get into production, right? Mm-hmm. How, how did that go? Because I'm assuming you started producing and it took a while to get to where you are now, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I had messed around with it like super briefly uh, in college. I had met a friend who cracked an Ableton for me. And then I was just messing around with it. I think I'd, put, I'd pick it up for a few days and then I wouldn't touch it for like a year kind of thing. And then I was living in Santa Monica uh, after I graduated in 2018 and basically got fired from this tech startup and was like, all right, well, I'm just going to like make music now and just focus all my energy into that. And basically for like nine months straight, all I did was f- figure out how to make music and do hot yoga every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool, man. So you were working, what were you doing at the tech startup? Um, I was it was a real estate software company and I was overseeing a team in, I think it was the Philippines that um, basically were doing like quality assurance stuff. So um, these real estate brokers would have their vision of their website that they'd want. And then we'd send it to the team in the Philippines to do, and then they'd translate it to their language as best they could and send back what they thought we had wanted. And then it was my job to like, make sure that it actually did get done and was like what the client wanted. Well, so you graduated college focusing on like a normal job. You weren't like, I'm going to graduate and then go straight into music. Yeah. Well, I knew I wanted to work in music. That tech startup was uh, kind of me switching after I, I had worked at Live Nation in uh, the Beverly Hills location, the corporate office. And I tried to like get some permanent role within music working on the business side of it and it just like I couldn't really figure out something to stick and um, like the Live Nation role was just a four month contract and then I tried like interviewing with some other companies and it just didn't really seem to be anything that was a great fit and so then I kind of switched lanes and got into this like tech startup that was very short-lived for me and that being short-lived was potentially a good thing because then you started to focus on music yeah, I mean, if there's no telling that, like, like what would happen if I hadn't gotten fired from that. But I have a feeling based on how my experience was there that I probably wouldn't have been spending too much time on music because all day I was spent just, like, staring at my screen and, like, doing this work for the tech startup. Like, honestly, I remember the last thing wanting to do going home was working on music because I'd just be staring at the screen some more. So, yeah, that probably took away it did take away a lot of motivation for me to want to work on music. So I guess getting fired from the tech startup was one of the best things that happened for me in my music. Yeah, Matt. And it is hard when you put in all your like brain power and effort into a job to then come home and want to put more effort into a cre- any kind of creative outlet, like a music or anything. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. So you focus on music. You said for about nine months, right? Just learning how to produce. Yeah. I had about, nine months or so where I was just learning how to make music essentially by myself. I would just like would go on YouTube. I'd, I I kept it like a pretty scheduled thing. So I'd like still wake up in the morning and I'd probably work from like nine to three 
on like learning how to make music, just like troll YouTube videos and tutorials. And like, I had like a friend that was going to icon. And so I would just send him random questions whenever I had like something I couldn't figure out by going on YouTube. And then I'd like go do high yoga and then I'd come back and like work on it every day, just do that same thing. And then I eventually got uh, an opportunity to come to grad school. Um, so I did my master's in business down at UC San Diego and I was like, okay, um, I don't know what this will lead to or if I really want to do this, but it'll buy me two year, two more years of like not working. And so that's cool. I like being in school and like it just that worked for me. Yeah, man. And you probably also had a lot more time to focus on music even while you were in your master's program, right? Yeah, I, um, I, it was, yeah. The reason that it bought me more time is because I was living at home because I'm from San Diego. So I was, the idea was if I just live at home and then do my master's for two years, then I can focus on music and not be having to like worry too much about like having a job to like pay for rent because I'm living back at home and I'm working towards like getting this MBA. And so it gave me like an opportunity to then not have to like worry so much and make a decision into like a career that I wouldn't actually want to do anyways and um, be stressing about money as much for those two years. Yeah, man. It's really hard to focus on what you want to do when you can't, when you're, the first thing you're thinking about is like paying rent or paying for anything like that. Um, you started to learn how to produce in Santa Monica and then you learn some more while you're doing your master's program uh, at what point were you like okay this is good enough for me to start releasing i had this intention when i was making music for the first time that i was going to release every song that i made which may be for better or for worse um i like when i started making music and i was living in santa monica i i noticed that what i did was make songs start to finish and then move on to the next song i would i would i've noticed a lot of other producers will like come up with like a 16 bar loop and then just move on to something else and they don't like finish it but i think that like making the song start to finish and going through that entire process over and over again i think helped me and so i already had like a finished song i'm like i want to put this out and i wouldn't necessarily recommend that people put out every single song they make i in fact i don't recommend it and i ended up going and taking off releases um some of the early ones anyways later on and like removing them but I think that I just made the decision that, okay, this is like the vision that I had for this song. I want to, I want to have it heard and like, here's why it's important and put it out. Um, so I, I guess for me, I put it out immediately. And you just self-released too. So there was like nothing holding it up, right? The first song, Take Me There. Um, I met this vocalist through uh, some of my buddies that were, they all worked at a tech startup in Santa Monica together. And so he came over and it was just funny. We were in our, we were in my small Santa Monica apartment. Just like he was just belting vocals, like at the top of his lungs, and I like thin walls. I remember getting like noise complaints, and um, so sorry. What was your question? Oh, so my question was, oh, now I forget. Sorry, <laughs> no worries. No, my question was really because. Okay, you said you were able to release his songs pretty much right after you finished them, right? It was the other question about the labels, the self-releasing. So yeah, I went out said, the, yeah. the first song was a self-release, and I just used like DistroKid to do that. And then the second song I made was a remix of Stereo Loves and like uh, by Edward Maya, um, like that classic like radio hit from the 2000s. And so that was a self-release because I don't have the 
rights to that. The third track I made, Cake, which is no longer on like Spotify or Apple Music, but you can find it on SoundCloud if you like search Burko Cake. Um, that one I put out on Cartel Collective out of Florida. I just had come across them, and I think they actually reached out to me. I don't remember how they got a hold of the track, but I just remember like having like right at the beginning of COVID, it was like 2020, and I had um, it, there was a, basically this hack where you know like the beaches were closed in California because of COVID, and but there was Sunset Cliffs in San Diego. Um, not a lot of people knew this, but it's a federal monument. So you can go there and like the co- state troopers or state cops can't say anything. And so we just like, I just remember going there and like taking mushrooms and like being on the beach and like having this epiphany, like, okay, I need to put out cake and I'm going to do it on this label. And so like, cause they were asking me to do it for like eight months and I didn't commit. And then I just like commit towards that and then send the text and he's like, all right, let's do it. And that was like the first label I ever put out on. But I ended up taking that off of uh, Spotify and Apple music before, because um, it was like pretty tech housey and I ended up pivoting away from tech house. Um, within the last like two years, I decided to take off my releases that aren't like towards the direction I want to move towards. Yeah. Your genre, I think it's called medieval house. Is that right? Yeah. Something I came up with, like pretty early on. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out if I want to like double down on that or like shift it a bit, but I feel like it's not as applicable necessarily to like what i'm doing now is like what i was making when i was first making music so i'm not quite sure yeah but that is what i'm calling it right and it's really it's a genre that you created maybe it's like a, it's not like it existed before right no i just came up with the name it's just like the first word that popped into my head when i was making the first song yeah that's so cool that you created like your own subgenre pretty much mm-hmm. thanks for music yeah and you might sometimes feel like you can't release certain music because it doesn't really fit with what you released in the past. Is that true or no? Yeah. I think I'm trying to be very conscious about the type of music that I'm putting out and making sure that it's in line with what I want to do and make sure it's not in a lane that doesn't like agree with what I'm doing. So for, I mean, just for example, the tech house stuff, I just didn't think that was, a good thing for me to keep doing. Um, I found that it was a bit confusing to, for like talent buyers to see where to put me and like what type of lineups to place me on when I was making both types of music, which is understandable. Then what are talent buyers? Is that like a label or what does that mean? Talent buyers are, um, like people that book out the shows, the lineups. Mm. So it's like where to place you, who to have you like open for or, yeah basically and like if you're doing a lineup that's pretty primarily tech house and i have like some tech house songs but then i also have like songs that are a bit darker and like more towards like melodic techno techno then it's maybe not the greatest fit and who knows like what type of music i'd be playing during that set like they would be taking a gamble all right so you started releasing music i think around 2016 2017 or you said closer to COVID, right yeah, like 2019, 2020. 2020. How did that go at first? Did you like instantly start getting traction with your music? Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I think that, like, I mean, again, I was just mainly releasing on SoundCloud, I feel like was the biggest thing because I was doing a lot of bootlegs at the beginning. 
Um, Spotify and like Apple Music and stuff didn't really take off until I started doing like more label releases. And even up until like last year, it wasn't really doing anything like super crazy. Like the Vertigo track that came out is like been pretty, it's been pumping pretty hard. I think that some like five and a quarter million right now on Spotify. And that's been like really pushing like my catalog there. But, um, I'd say like up until that point, it was kind of just in the, you know, few thousands, like maybe like a couple hundred thousand like stream type of thing. SoundCloud seemed to be like pumping for a lot of the, for the bootlegs for a while. I think like if I look at my page on SoundCloud, there's like, I don't know, Hans Zimmer remix was probably the most like played one. And it looks like a lot of like my remixes are the ones that like have been pumping that. Mm-hmm. It does seem like, soundcloud remixes do better and maybe that's because people go to soundcloud specifically for remixes you think they do better than what than original tracks on soundcloud that could be maybe because it's exclusive there so like the only place you'd be able to find it is soundcloud because you can't put something you don't have the rights to on spotify exactly so if you have like a track that's on Spotify and Apple Music and also on SoundCloud, that's not like the place that most people are going to go listen to it. But if it's only on SoundCloud, then that makes sense that you would have to go there for it. And that's why it seems to be going strong. For the remixes that you've done, you have this logo that's like a melting moon or a melting sun. Mm. Yeah, where did that come from? Did you like design that? Yeah, I was working with a graphic designer and the idea was to have like two different remix series. One is the like the solar remix series and the other one is the lunar remix series. And so all of like the first ones were the lunar one. And it had to do with like, just, I just like changed the shade of like the moon each time. And so there are six or so remixes there. And then there was solar remix series that was just different like types of suns. And I guess the idea there was to like have more like seasons. I, I wanted to do more. I just like couldn't really think of like another thing to extend that series. Like, I was thinking maybe like polar or something, but it doesn't really fit that well. So I don't know. I definitely want to do more like remixes and bootlegs, and I definitely have some in the fall. I like I made this Lincoln Park edit that's I uh, tested out a lot in my last tour, and it worked so well every time. So I'm like looking forward to putting that out, but I'm trying to be strategic with when and how to put it out. So you will produce remixes or maybe even original music, and you'll test it out live in front of people and see how they react. Yeah, it's like sometimes hard to tell when you make a song how it's going to go live. And sometimes it might work well live somewhere and then that same song might not work well. So it's kind of just like averaging it out and like seeing like when does it work well and does it work well every time or when is a good time to do it in the set. And so, yeah. Yeah, So do you ever play music in a set and you see that it doesn't really go very well and then you decide on Mac when release that? Yeah, or you might want to go back and tweak things in the song. Like, why didn't it go well? What did oh. You, oh, did it, like, drag here? Did people get bored because it was too long of a breakdown? Like, that kind of thing. Like, what what was it about the song that you think you could now make better for it to be playing out live better? So cool. It's so cool that you're able to play out a song and get, like, instant feedback, pretty much. Yeah. Whether or not it needs to be improved, right? Yeah, and, like, some songs will do better. Like, some songs are more of, like, a streaming thing. And some people like to, like, there's some music that will just, like, do really well on Spotify and stuff, but then, like, it's not really, like, a DJ tool where people are, like, playing in their sets, you know, and vice versa. 
so you can't really test out every song live you could well wanted to try it yeah do you ever put out music without testing it first yeah 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 so especially the bootlegs and especially like early on when i wasn't really playing that many shows mm-hmm. how do you do you ever promote your music in any way what do you mean like if you release a song do you ever do anything to like market it like content or, or anything else like that yeah if you take a look at the my instagram there's like tons of like promotion for each track it's like for vertigo we did like i met up with autographs we had the song together yeah. we had five different types of like videos for um like just playing on the word vertigo and stuff and um usually i mean there's a lot of like videos of the song playing being played out live when you like go and um yeah when you release a song having it go like before and like a couple days after you'd like still push it and like be kind of just driving traffic back to the song mm. so really most of your marketing for your music it's based around the content though content about about the song so you said like for vertigo for example you and autograph created content that you like released as like shorts on instagram maybe mm. ticked off is there yeah. anything else that you do? Or is it mostly just the content? Um, I mean, there's stuff that goes into the release before where like, depending on the label, they'll hire like a PR company to maybe get it out on blogs or like sending it to different artists that are in a similar lane to get them to play it out or down, maybe download the track and get feedback on it. Um, so there's stuff like kind of goes on behind the scenes, but then like more like in your face stuff that you can actually see would be a lot on like Instagram regarding if you do shorts or if it's just like a song being played out live, or maybe there's like how I made this tutorial or like some sort of behind the scenes, like Ableton video with it. Awesome, man. How, how did that collab happen in the first place? You and the duo autograph? Yeah, I met them back in uh, the Netherlands, actually, when I was studying abroad out there. And then we ended up being on the same management company a couple, I don't know, two years ago. And so we just kind of reconnected through there. And then um, I booked them for a show down in San Diego on 4th of July. What was it? Maybe a little two fourth 4th of Julys ago. Now last 4th of July, 2022. And then they came over and they're, we we're all just like really hung over on the 5th of July. And we just like made the track. I already had like um a start to it and then they came over and we worked on it together and they had provided the vocal from malu that they had already and then it just all came together really nice you did have a piece of content where it was like you had this idea and you were kind of stuck on it and then autograph took over and, and built on top of that is that pretty much what happened <laughs> that was more just like a skit we just made that yeah but yeah. yeah the real story was what i had just said before but that was more something we had just kind of like played around with as like a video short. Yeah. It does kind of match like the actual story though. Like you started with something and they built on top of it. Yeah. It's, it was a similar type of thing that had happened. It was just the locations weren't accurate. <laughs> like yeah, we did but... it. <laughs> <laughs> Some details were left out. Yeah. But how, how does a, a collab typically work? But like, do you usually come with something that you created and then build off of it or is there is there any kind of typical flow to collaboration 
Um, it just depends. A lot of the times I'm working on stuff with people, it's not in person. Um, most times I'd say it's not in person. So I'd like come up with an idea maybe, and then I'd send it over. Like, I don't know if you know Sion, S-I-A-N, but we've been putting out a lot of music together and we have like this duo. And so we've never worked on, per- on in music. We've never worked in person together on music and we have over like 40 songs made. Mm-hmm. So like so much of it is just like sending back ideas like over like Dropbox and stuff and then just like tweaking it as needed. You send like an Ableton project file or you send like stems or how do you do that part? It depends on the person, but with Sion we send stems. I prefer working in stems. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then you guys just will bounce it back and forth and like whenever you have time, you'll work on it and then let them know once you send it back. Yeah. I mean, it. some of the tracks like, take a lot longer to go back and forth with. Like I'm working on one with Archer right now and like in the past four days, we probably sent it back like twice each day to each other but um and some tracks like yeah just two sessions and we're done so it just depends on like the workflow and with archer we're sending like the project file back and forth too how it's good for him yeah for for vertigo how long did that take to finish with autograph we knocked that whole thing out in the couple hours that they were here in person and then it got signed by we sent it to Armand and it got signed the next day so was... <laughs> that's crazy and then it was played at autograph played at a red rocks right yeah that was the first time we were tested it out live so that was actually before um before it got released that was the first time it got tested which is kind of a great place for it to test out yeah yeah right that it's so exciting and probably so unexpected too that this would happen with that what would happen specifically oh sorry that it was probably so unexpected like you didn't expect when you booked autograph become for for the jaw you didn't expect to like finish this whole track with them right yeah well we were already working on a different track we had already wanted to do a collab and we were going back and forth for months on this one track and it just like wasn't like there's so many people within autograph that um i mean there's like three artists themselves and then there's like managers involved that were like with both of us less involved but to have like everyone be on board with me and then three people on autograph or like there's so many chefs in the kitchen that it's hard to like get everyone to like it. So we were going back for like a couple months and like not everyone was happy with it. And so we're like, I uh, just kept stalling. And then when they came over, I was like, well, here's this other thing I've been working on. And then they're like, okay, this could work. And then that one just like went so seamlessly and then everyone really liked it. So we kind of just abandoned that other collab and it never got finished. And this became the one that we were like pushing and excited about. And then we made more since then, like La Petite Mort. We brought in Sion and then it became even more chefs in the kitchen. But luckily everyone, you know, still liked it and was able to like be cohesive. Cause when there's so many people that are having input, it's like hard to get everyone on board for things. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting that you guys had been working for, I think you took a few months on this other track, right? What was that? You were working with Autograph on this other track for potentially like over a mo- over like a month, right? For a while, I think it was like a year, a year, and then, and then all of a sudden in one day, pretty much you yeah, yeah. figure it out with a whole new track. Yeah, that's just how it happens sometimes. It's so weird. <laughs> and then that one never got finished, and I felt bad because like the singer on that track was my good friend from college, and I had to be like, I don't know if it's happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then Vertigo ended up doing, like you said, very well. Like had almost five million on Spotify alone. 
think right now it's like at five and a quarter. That's million. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's been doing really well. It got added to BPM, which is like a serious XM channel, which is great. Um, and it's just been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of, I don't know how to say it. There's something I can't talk about publicly yet with it that I'm really hoping goes to fruition, but there's a lot of like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say promise, but potential for that track to do some really crazy stuff. Also, it's just getting started, man. Like there's more to be excited about. Potentially. And a little unrelated to that. I'm also putting out a, vert, a VIP of vertigo next couple months i'm we were supposed to come out december 1st but it's like a whole remix album so that remix album is going to be um like for autographs affirmations album so i have like vertigo vip burgo vip coming out on that one and then uh sian and i did a inner light remix of uh, i mean that and that inner light track is it's really like happy good vibes and then we just like completely turned it on its head it's just it's so dark it's pretty funny but it's it, works well and um so that might be coming out in like january now those two tracks but the burko vip of vertigo is a lot more of like a driving like melodic techno version of that which i'm really excited about i'm excited to hear that too man i I didn't realize there was so much more to come with this one track i thought it was that's so cool could be we're uh we'll see (laughs) we'll see yeah we'll see you also collabed with Sunburn, right? Yeah. How did that happen? Sunburn got a hold of some of my unreleased music at like the beginning of 2020. Um, Greg Chavez, our mutual friend, sent it to him. And he heard this one track that I put out at the time it was unreleased called I Feel Fine, if you're familiar with that one. And um, he was like, oh, like, put us in contact like i want to see if he wants to do a track for my next album and so sunburn and i then got in contact and i was living in san diego at the time and i just i drove up to his studio and that was in person so i met up with him maybe three different sessions over the course of months to a year to finish this track and it was a cool process i mean i learned from him and we ended up hiring this like australian choir to be doing like backup like support vocals on that it's really subtle but it's you can hear it like on the chorus and then that one came out on uh, Ultra, and we met in uh, we met up in person to like shoot the content um, for uh, like all of like the press stuff and photos uh, with the vocalists as well. And that was ended up being a really cool shoot. So cool! You you release a lot of music on labels, right? Rather than self release. Yeah. yeah, I haven't done the self release. Besides like bootleg edits that I put on SoundCloud, I haven't done any self release tracks since the first track I put out. That's crazy. How did you end up getting these label releases to begin with? Like, did you just reach out to the label, or it's a lot of like cold emailing and stuff at first? I think the first record label that I put out on was like kind of a um legit like because Cartel Collective like didn't have like stuff on Beatport sales; they were still doing free downloads and stuff. So like. First label, I think the fourth track I made was that Box of Cats release I put out, like Kyle Watson and Wongo's label, um, Give Me More, which is uh, still in that kind of more tech housey genre, but I just didn't end up wanting to take it off. Um, that was like the fourth or fifth track I ever made. And that one got signed um, just by cold emailing. And that was like, was like a lot of the outreach at first. It's like so hard at first because no one like knows your name. And like even now, like it's still like, 
really hard to like get label releases that I'm like really like really want like I have like an idea after I finish a track of like I don't want to send it to this label and like these are the demos I want and like have this like idea of like how it should come out and like what labels but like so many times it doesn't work out like that and it's just like kind of just like fishing almost of like let's see if we get any fights here all right let's know there let's try this label so really at least at first is a numbers game yeah but like also being strategic and like not just sending it to like 30 labels at once because like that doesn't that's not a good look either and it's a pretty small community people talk so like getting response and then like it's like a waiting game honestly and it's just like trying to keep the ball out of your court as much as possible that's like how i that's my workflow it's just like okay it's like are people waiting on me to get stuff done like okay let's let's fix that like let me get the ball out of my court and just like do as much as i possibly can so that way i can like focus on like other stuff and like if you just put the ball on other people's court and like take the responsibility and do the work then hopefully you're not waiting on or hopefully like hopefully things happen quicker you know you're sending more balls out in other people's courts less on you yeah how long does that usually take for the the labor that to one respond and then sign it and then actually be out there released i mean it just depends on like how busy the label is or how big they are and how responsible the anr is and um i mean some some labels you'll never hear back from so but some labels you'll sign and be like okay cool like let's put it out in eight months because like then sometimes their calendar is like that's slammed and that's often the case is like putting out music that i made like a year ago you know there's infinite purgatory track that i put out on there's a light i think i made it like two years ago that's crazy what <laughs> and i just put that a couple months ago is there ever any issues with your music coming out you know a year or two after you actually made it um i mean sometimes i won't like it as much anymore and i'll be like yeah. oh, that's a good representation of like what i can do now or like what well, here's something i would fix there's you know there's Sometimes I feel like uh, I'll hear it and be like, I could have done this better. Luckily, that wasn't really the case for the Infinite Purgatory track. I felt like that one was like, it stayed kind of true to what I wanted to put out. So that was really good. But yeah. Cool, man. Uh, in the past few years, you've had like a lot of big uh, achievements as an artist. Like you played EDC, right? A few years ago? Yeah. Dude, how, how did that happen? Um, the management I was with uh, was in contact with some of the people booking out one of the stages, and uh, yeah, it just it just worked out. They sent over like the offer, and I was like, absolutely. And then, yeah, um, yeah, it was a great time. I went with Autograph. Actually, it was funny because we like went to the festival together, and they played at like sunset of that night, and then I played at sunrise the next morning. So we just had like 12 hours of like the longest possible. I closed out and they like opened and it was just like so long. <laughs> it was like so much time in between, but it was, it was a great time. And probably really cool to play this festival that, that everyone knows of. And then I was assuming you had gone to in the past, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd been in the past. The first year I went was like 2016 I ended up actually working in 2019. I was like doing like VIP operations and basically my job was to like go around to like the different VIP sections and make sure people weren't like dead, passed out from like drug overdoses. 
it's a really chill job because I could just like, and that wasn't really happening. And like, I could just like walk around different VIP sections and see sets. So I wasn't like pinned to one area. So that was pretty cool. Um, definitely abused a little more than I should. I was like, I want to see this first set. I'm going to go, go to this stage. Um, but yeah, it was really cool to like work it. And then I actually like, I remember them testing out the neon garden saves and I like plugged in and like played like one of the tracks I just made. And so I got to like hear it as like on one of like, like huge festival speakers and then be like, all right, goal is to come back and like now do it for real. Like I said, haven't played that stage yet, but I do want to come back and play that stage at some point. Yeah, well, maybe, in the, maybe in the near future, like it seems like the past year, a lot has happened for you, right? Yeah, I feel like the last year, like a lot's been happening on like the release side and like the artists I'm working with, but I haven't like really been getting like, I haven't been doing like that many crazy like festival shows this year. I, I went on tour, so I got to play a lot of really cool like clubs and like shows around the US. So that was, that was a lot of fun. And then I ended it at playing at Burning Man, which is insane. But like, I didn't like, I feel like next year I want to like focus really like more on like the more festival plays. Yeah, what was the the tour like that you did? It was great. Um, yeah, I think the stops were uh, L.A., San Diego, Dallas, Chicago, New York, Burning Man. Hope I'm not leaving anything out. And it was, it was great. I mean, just like flying into a place like oftentimes I hadn't been before, and then just like getting to meet the people there, and everyone was just so nice and playing a show, and then heading home like it was just it was a great time meeting people and um burning man was crazy that was my first time there and that was just a really cool way to end it that was the last show of the tour yeah burning man had the issue with the mud right yeah yeah, yeah. what happened with that um yeah it was a pretty intense rainstorm um I think the media obviously made it look a lot worse than it was because people they're like we're, we're they're stuck out there, but like it's not like we weren't planning to be there anyways, <laughs> you know. I wasn't, <laughs> leaving, I wasn't planning on leaving that day, so it's not like I was really stuck. I was so tired at the time of the rainstorm, I actually passed out for twenty four hours straight. I slept through the entire storm. Good. <laughs> I was I exhausted myself at that point. I was like, all right, well, it was a good time to catch up on sleep. Twenty four hours straight. I've never done that in my life. And, that was funny. I kind of dodged that first bullet. There was the aftermath that was insane with like all the mud and just the mud out there is so different. Just like the way that the materials, the dirt are, it just, it's not like normal mud. It's very like clay. It's, it's really odd. <laughs> so you pretty much missed that the whole storm. And then you went there to DJ, but also I'm assuming you went to there to, to be part of the festival, right? Go to sets. Yeah. I mean, more so, go experience like burning men not necessarily like go to the sets like there's so much like there's so many people playing all over the place that you can't even like keep track and like it's you're joking if you think you're gonna like catch all the sets you think you're gonna make like it's it's not realistic there's no service there's no like people it's hard to like actually transport yourself from like one place to another <laughs> there there's so many distractions and you just go on side quests but um yeah it was uh i went there to kind of just experience burning man as a whole i didn't really like chase sets that much how did playing sets work because it seemed like it seems like the the stages and everything are so i don't know how to describe it really it's so different than any other festival 
that you would go to the smaller stages more interesting yeah i had some i had like a schedule of mine for like my sets i was booked for ahead of time and so i think i had like three or four sets planned out and then i ended up doing like two spontaneously one of them got canceled um one of them got canceled because of the rainstorm it was happening on the same night but it was going to be like it's such a genre clusterfuck it was going to be me skrillex and mr carmack playing <laughs> playing at this at the camp that i was camped at and that didn't happen because of that rainstorm which is a bummer but yeah people audible all the time it's it's just a clusterfuck out there <laughs> yeah a lot of fun you should definitely go yeah yeah anyone listening definitely yeah um you had this whole tour set up. Was that booked by your management, or how did that even get put together? Just me. I'm just oh yeah, and like connections that I've made is yeah. I just I routed that tour myself, and um, it just happened to like work out where they were all kind of in line. So I'm like, okay, great, here we go. Saw or fall tour. <laughs> <laughs> so it all just like worked out. All the dates were. It looked like it was very planned out because all the dates were so close together. Yeah, it was kind of coincidental. I'm like, all right, we'll call the tour. <laughs> Mine as well. Great. <laughs> um, was the tour like tiring at all? No, it was pretty cool because a lot of the shows, like, there was somewhere I stayed out there and like went to different cities in between. But a lot of the time, I had like, I'd be back like Tuesday through Thursday. At, back in San Diego um, I think like out of like the six shows I came back twice so it wasn't like exhausting to like be out there the whole time because I would had, like, come back in between and like reset and like get work done and stuff like be at home mm-hmm. yeah. yeah there's times where I was like questioning if I was going to make it like the Chicago show there, I just had like such a terrible time getting to Chicago because I think my flight was supposed to be like 2am out of San Diego and I like checked at 11 PM and the flight got canceled. And then I had to like panic buy some other flight to Atlanta and have this like layover. And I, I got to, I landed in Chicago an hour before my set time. <laughs> what? So I landed there. I like, and just booked it. And so I ended up making it, but, um, it's just kind of a shit show. I, I, I was in the green room like right before and my friend like grabbed like the bottle and just like chipped my tooth on accident. So I was like, running <laughs> is running so late and then just got my tooth chips i'm like all right it's time to go on stage <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta commit yeah just fully commit <laughs> wow man and the chicago airport isn't like super close to chicago to where you were playing i'm assuming you had to really rush there yeah no it wasn't that close <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> have you had any other close calls like that in the past or you've been like pretty on time usually pretty on it um can't really think of, i'm sure there's been something but i just can't recall right now yeah so you put this whole tour together yourself do you have any management right now um i'm kind of like in between so at the moment i'm i had left uh, all, uh the, the company i was at before um mm-hmm. within the last i don't know six months or so and i'm kind of like in between like i'm working with like someone who's kind of consulting but i'm not like mm-hmm. fully with like a management company right do you think you even need a management company now 
I don't think I need it. I think it would be nice, especially if they can like leverage connections and like start getting more plays um, from like stuff that I can't do on my own. But I think more importantly right now would be like bringing on like a good agent. And what does an agent do for you? Agents responsible for getting the shows solely. Management does the career. And you said you want to play like more festivals specifically, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't want to just do that exclusively, but I think next year would be good to do that again as this year was a bit light on that. What's different about, obviously a festival has a lot more people than like a just a normal show at a club, but what about it is different for you? Are there any benefits to playing a festival rather than a club? Um, I think like from a marketing side, the content you get from it is a lot better. Like seeing like a massive like festival crowd is like a lot more interesting. I feel like than seeing like a club venue. Yeah. Um, personally, I think also just like having that experience of like going to the festival and like being like part of it and like going and seeing other acts too is really cool. Yeah. And you, do you ever meet people at these shows or festivals, like other artists specifically? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so is it, I mean, is it like good networking or is it just like fun to meet these people that you maybe look up to? Um, yeah, both. I mean, it's always kind of networking, you know, it's never yeah. off. Yeah. I feel like, it, which is kind of like, going to these events with people that are not in the scene or just like go for fun. Like sometimes they don't understand that it's like kind of always on and like people that I've been with in the past that have like brought me to like music events that are like, I'm going to know the people. Like it's just like have a hard time understanding sometimes that like it's kind of a weird thing for me. If they do that, I'm like, okay, like if you want to go do something that's like, just us like let's go bowling or something like don't bring me to <laughs> don't like me want to spend time with just me and then bring me to like a house music event in the city i live like it's gonna be work like it's always yeah. is it's never <laughs> <laughs> cool man. Uh, you finished your your master's right in business yeah has anything you learned in school been helpful or useful for your music career it's hard to like pinpoint whether like black or white, like, yes, like this is something that I'm like transferring over. But I think that like just the way I like approach things and are like conceptualize like ideas start to finish and like see how they can play out has been helpful. I think like before it was a lot of like just shooting darts in the dark, you know, and like, oh, like we'll see if this sticks. But like, I think I can like plan it a bit more now and like, kind of have the foresight to see if something will work or not. And what are you looking for when you are trying to determine if something is going to work or not? Or do you even know what you're looking for? I mean, it depends, you're lo- it depends where you're looking at. Are you talking about like a business idea? Are you talking about like marketing idea, a song? I just think that like I'm a lot more strategic now and like I'm trying to think ahead and like I always kind of have been that way, but I think that like since I like finished that grad program, I've been like like extra cautious about how I approach things and like what like kind of chess, like a chess game, like how it'll kind of play out. So I think that it just gives me better foresight. And so like you 
or more intentional with your actions, right? Like you're like, I want to do this and then maybe this will happen rather than yeah. just like, let's just try this out. I think I approach it like a business, you know, I approach like everything I do in music with like how it affects like, like from a business side as well as the music and like still like trying to maintain like the integrity of like the art, but actually like trying to like figure out if it's lucrative. Because really you need to treat it as a business. You can't just put on music and see what happens. You got to, and at the end of the day, you want it to one, be successful and be able to listen, but also potentially to make a living off of it, right? Yeah. And you can, it's just like more gambling if you don't. So, you know, a lot of like what I've been able to like figure out how to like sustain financially has been through other avenues of like, not just like playing shows and releasing music, but like, okay, what are some ways that I can like make money through music and still be doing music full time that aren't just playing shows and just, you know, setting it up to be really intentional. Yeah. Now, what are some of those other ways that you could potentially make music that are not just releasing or maybe make money that are not like just playing shows? Um, I've been fortunate to get into production work for other artists. So, um, like, I can't get into who or anything. Of course. NDA, but, like, just figuring out, like, okay, who can I get to? Who who who's, who wants to really grow their career and, like, start to, like, think about what I can do to, like, help other people and, like, what I can offer, like, on a production side. So I have, like, other artists that I work with that, like, have me on monthly retainers that I can then, like, be, like, making money through, like, helping them and like still be like working on my own stuff and like then also helping and like working on other genres and like working on other people's projects like helps me learn more about music so like all stays within music and i'm still doing music full time and just it just kind of helps feed the cycle of me learning so it benefits you and you're able to still work on music at the same time as earning an income which you need obviously yeah yeah and like i'm obviously still making money from like shows and everything it's just like added you know and it's like more comfortable yeah and it's nice to have more than one source of income too not to rely solely on one thing like for if you if relied solely on shows and covid came that obviously we're not the best exactly thing. yeah you're what is it uh diversifying your portfolio right yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. everything into like one source you're like if something were to happen and like one sink ships, like COVID happens and there's no more shows like then Okay. I'm still like doing other things that are all within music. Smart man. Yeah. All right. And I want to talk about the past year and then also the future. 2023 specifically, it seems like a lot has happened for you. If you look back, like what has changed in the past year for you, for example, I feel like the last year has been focused a lot on like bigger label releases. When Sian and I started making music about a year ago together and like it's been, yeah, it's been about a year and I think we've finished like honestly like 40 songs and only like six come out. Mm-hmm. So it's like four of them came out on an EP on Yoda's label all right now. That was something we really wanted to do and like build with them. Um, then we had more stuff coming out on Armada have to like take a look at my catalog and see what else I put out. We had the, I had the track on There's a Light with the Infinite Purgatory one. I feel like it was very like release heavy. And then to top off like with like the uh, United States like 
the tour that I did just around the U.S. Yeah. So I feel like that w- what's changed in the last year, I guess, has been, um, I don't know, I guess like more like solidifying what I'm doing and like the sound. Because I think in 2021 is when I started taking off my tech house releases and like been like, all right, I'm leaning more into this. Like this is what I want to solidify. And then I think the last year has been like a, I've been doing a good job about like making the sound more consistent. I'm like kind of coming into my own a bit. How did you find that sound? Did you just produce music and it kind of came to you? Yeah, so immediately. Like the first song I ever made, Take Me There, it was just like, I felt like I kind of found like the emotion that I wanted to like convey with it. And I've just been kind of consistent with that, channeling that like through every song. That's crazy. Like this is the first song you made. You've just been really consistent. That so cool. All right. And then the future. What what does the future look like for you? Do you like do you have like, any specific goals? I know you said you wanted to play more festivals. Yeah, I think right now I'm just like not like necessarily like focused on it, but it is in like in my mind to like be building out the team to have like a really strong like management agent and like other people that are like supporting the project and like have like a pretty clear goal um between everybody um so right now i mean a lot of the stuff i'm doing is on my own and i have like friends that are like consultants and stuff right but a lot of it's through me and i want to like kind of bring in more people to like help solidify that team because i think like people have kind of come and gone for different reasons so um that's like a big goal moving forward and then i think putting out a lot more solo stuff um I just had knee surgery and so I'm like pretty immobile right now and I want to like write a lot more stuff. I've been singing on a lot of tracks so I want to do more tracks I'm singing on. Some of the tracks that are out, I mean Infinite Purgatory I was singing on, Here Before I was singing on, Holding On I was singing on. So I want to do that a lot more and a lot more like solo tracks with that. Awesome man. All right. well I appreciate you coming and talking to me david i learned like so much already just in this short period of time uh, i want to know like where can people find your music and find you on social media um everywhere i think what instagram is burko music spotify is burko b-u-r-k-o same with everywhere perfect well thanks again man for doing this interview uh again i learned a lot i'm sure everyone else listening did as well appreciate it thanks man hey thanks for listening to the podcast you can find us on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Just search What We Started EDM. If you would like to reach out to us, shoot us a DM on Instagram. It's at whatwestarted.edm. Thanks again. Catch you next time.